prophecy is not wishful thinking. It's not what I hope and desire is is the best for your life and all of those things. But it's actually destiny-defining moments. So every person in front of me, uh, whether personally or corporately, I'm being given charge or influence over people's destinies. So I realize that one word I give you could send you one way or another. Right. And and that's a huge responsibility because I could send you in the wrong direction. It's massive. Right. So I'll, I'll just go with this. What's the difference between a wrong prophet and a false prophet? Uh, welcome back, Dave. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing really good. Uh, December 15th, 2022. Yes. No. Tw- 2015. December 20th. 20- December 22nd, 2015. I My, my uh, uh, dyslexia just kicked in. It does when I get around you. I have that effect on women. You do. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Uh, that was the first time we filmed together for the green room. December 22nd. December 22nd, 2015. So eight years ago. Global yeah. Awakening. Yeah. I think so. Maybe it was one of the times we filmed. Yeah. I saw it on your Instagram. Do you remember what we talked about? Uh, on that one, I think I shared my story. Okay. So no, no story sharing. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. If they want to, they can go back. And look at it and watch it. Yeah. It was different. It was a different season in our lives. Yes. We were younger. We only had partial facial hair, not yeah. full beards. We I didn't have a beard until like two years ago. You would get a little scruff, but mostly a little, mostly clean shaven, but a little scruff you would Did get. Baby face up until yeah. two, three years ago. You had a little scruff every once in a while. No. Yeah, you would just not shave for a week or two. You just get a little stubble. Really? Yeah. I why why didn't you tell me this before? Well, like why is this? Because I think out you now? want you were trying to see if you could grow like a goatee or something, and then finally one Listen. day, one day, you grew up, and then you suddenly had a full blown beard. I had testosterone problems. I'm a late yeah. bloomer. Yeah. Yeah. So, Unlike you, yeah. you, just five o'clock shadow all yeah. day. Yeah. You shaved this morning, right? I shaved this morning. It grew back. Shaved it <sighs> one more time before I came. And Super gross. Just the way that it is. Gosh. Is this the way all prophets are? Yes. We have to have beards. If you don't have a beard, you don't have an anointing. That's just the truth. <laughs> or a lie or heresy. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> and, uh, uh, how's the hair on top of your head doing? It's great. You know what? I, people accuse me of dying, and I've never dyed my hair. I just use a whole lot of hairspray. Like, what, I mean, is it dying like you put something else in it? No. Like my hair, I have a full head of hair. I don't lose my hair. And I don't. I have a few little grays that pop up here and there, but all all me. The only gray I got is in my beard. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is talk about your hair, your yeah. follicles, yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to another Iris Global Green Room. I'm here with my buddy Dave Wagner. Uh, if you don't know who Dave Wagner is, uh, you should. Uh, amazing friend. Uh, long-term, long-term, not lifelong, but I feel like if it was lifelong, we would be much better off than we are right now. We probably would have gotten a lot of trouble when we were younger, mm-hmm. but then have done a mate would have done amazing things for the kingdom for 20 years instead of 13. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah well, I've known Dave for a while. You said 13, it's not 13 years, is yeah, it? Really? Met you in November, 2010. My gosh. Well, uh, you can hear our backstory you can hear some of that stuff. If you go back and look at David Wagner Green Room, you've, you've, you can hear his testimony. You can hear how we met. You can hear 
I don't know, a lot of different stuff. Let's hit something new, though. All right. Right? Let's do it. Who is David Wagner? Well, I am handsome. I'm humble. Gosh. Holy. Are these your... Uh, majority of the times. Okay. Uh, slightly hilarious. Depends slightly. on who you ask. Like, if you ask me if, you ask me if I'm funny, mm -hmm. I'm really funny. My kids always tell their friends, do not laugh at my dad's jokes because they only get worse after that. Yeah. So dad jokes were amazing. Then I became a grandfather, and uh, then the jokes really increased. And you do a lot of crying. You want to talk about crying. that? I do a lot of crying. Why? I do a lot of laughing, and I do a lot of crying. Eh, there's a lot of crying. <laughs> yeah, you like to get the, the you know, one of the things you love about me is when my lip quivers yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it goes. You know, it's No, no, no. It's actually not the lip quiver. It's the... It's the tongue corner of the mouth. You're like, God, and then I went here and it's that. That's that's the Wagner lip corner mouth touch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. I found myself doing it on occasion. Yeah. Dramatic pause. You know, uh, for a long time I was completely emotionally numb. I didn't feel anything at all. And in uh, March of nineteen ninety eight this prophetic guy turned around in a church in Pensacola. He was ministering to like a hundred people in the front. I was sitting like four or five rows back in the middle of this church. He spun around, he pointed at me, uh, and he said, God's unlocking your emotions. And I began to cry for the first time after I was born again. And uh, and it was like the Lord gave me not only my emotions, healed not didn't only heal my emotions, but in that moment I, I felt like the emotions of God were unlocked on the inside of me. Mm-hmm. And so one of my responses to the presence of God is, is, is tears, but also I'm, I'm really mercy motivated yeah. and like compassion and just really drives me. So if I feel the heart of God for somebody, if I'm ministering to somebody and they're hurting, I'll, I'll just begin to, to weep over them. And um, I used to try to hide it. I used to try to you know, avoid it, but um, I think it's actually, actually beautiful. Uh, a few months ago or actually two weeks ago i was in a in a meeting we we're singing about the the god who weeps the, you know, was one of the lines and the lord said um a god who never wept a jesus who never wept wouldn't be able to wipe away every tear and and it was like it it hit me that that he he we can feel his emotions it hit me uh, the fact that that like us he he wept with us yeah and um I've been pondering this maybe sounds like a, a weird thought, but I can't really relate to Adam in the garden. Like I've wondered, like, why did Adam, knowing the presence of God, the glory of God, meeting with the Lord face to face in the cool of the day, how, how could he fall for a lie and, and walk away and like give up all of that? And 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 I think a lot of it has to do with, with choice. I don't really understand it, but I, I was realizing I can't really understand the, the first Adam because he doesn't have a belly button. <laughs> he, he was created but yeah. he wasn't born jesus the second adam was born he has a belly button so he was tempted he faced everything that, that you and i face he didn't sin he didn't give into it but you know when when he was born i think his at his first breath mm. he, he cried like almost every other baby does he, he had to learn to walk all of those things and because he he's familiar with my suffering but also uh, I think because he understands my humanity, I think that's where we can relate to him. Yeah, uh, and and so uh, it was just that kind of that that cool thing. So a lot of segue into into the question, uh, but I think that Jesus actually cries real tears. There was a couple of years ago, I was in a 
just in my own time, just praying. And um, the Lord asked me if he could borrow my emotions. And I said, why would you want to borrow my emotions? Uh, and at that point, this may sound really kind of weird, but he said, because I'm mad at the evangelist. This was probably like 10, 12 years ago. And I, I said, why are you mad at the evangelist? He said, because the, they've become the church entertainer and I need them actually to equip people to win the lost. Hmm. And and like I just began to weep for the lost. I began to weep for for people in, in ministry, not to just do the work of the ministry, not to just have platform ministries, but actually to equip the people. Hmm. And, and, and so I think a lot of those are the kind of three key answers to why I cry a lot. And a lot of times my tears can be happy tears. They're, my, yeah. you know, my response to to holding my grandson, looking into his eyes and just seeing his innocence and his purity. Yeah. There's, uh, there, there's just, I can go from crying to laughing pretty, pretty quick. Um, and it's just this, I, I feel overwhelmed a lot by the presence of God. Yeah. And I think a release of that is, you know, is the tears. So what would you say to someone that says like emotion, right? What it, the Bible says the heart's the most deceitful organ in the body, right? Yeah. And what would you say to somebody who says it's dangerous to be emotional when you're bringing the word of the Lord, right? You want to bring the word of the Lord yeah. and you don't want your emotion, how you're feeling caught up in that. It could deflect it. Yeah. Yeah. Like what would you uh, say to I, somebody? I think you need to discern between soul and spirit. Mm -hmm. But if you read the Bible, you read the word of God. Right. Um, there's a lot of emotion in it, right? I yeah. mean, God's an emotional God. If you just read from Genesis to Revelation, he's angry. He's he's filled with joy. He's um, you know he's he's smiting a a nation. He's wiping people out. He's raising people up. Jesus is walking. He's weeping. He's he's laughing. Like I think we've lost the humanity of who Jesus is in in, in the fullness of his godness. In the fullness of of who he is as God. He yeah. is also fully man. And if we think that somehow Jesus just walked around as this stoic, like, come follow me and, and Peter, you know, yeah. um, I think they had a lot of fun. I mean, if you if you read through the scriptures, there's a lot of, um, you can read the emotion in it. And if you can't, like, if you read, if you read the scriptures monotone, yeah, I don't think it would really connect because that's not how he spoke it. You know, sometimes there's this, this excitement of God. Sometimes there's the wrath of God. Sometimes there's this overwhelming joy and love of God. Yeah. And, and I think that relates to who we are. We're, I, I think if it's not holistic, it's not realistic. And, and we focus a lot on one part of a person instead of realizing that we're, we're a three part being, right? We, mm -hmm. we, we live in a body, we have a soul, that's our mind, our will, our emotions, and we're spirit beings. And so, you know, you have to understand, feed the spirit, yeah. all, all of those things. But God doesn't discard the soul. He actually saves the actually saves the soul, right? It's it's that's the that's who he's after. Yeah. And and this physical body started dying the day you were born, mm. right? So <clears throat> I think flesh, you know, uh, appeasing the flesh is is wrong. Yeah. But the but the Lord ministers to to our hearts, to our our emotions, right? It's um, the heart can be the most deceitful. It can be the most evil part of us out of the abundance of the, of the heart, the mouth speaks, speaks yeah. you know, all of those things. I had that conversation with my kids last night. Yeah. So, you know, it's, and it's an amazing conversation to have. Right. But uh, also there, I hear a lot of great stuff out of people's hearts. Right. You know, like, 
So as far as being directed by the Lord, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you give a lot of incredible words that involve some direction from time to time. Yeah. You know, if the, if the heart's the most deceitful thing in, in the body, yeah. yeah, how do you, how do you, how do you give those directive words where their heart might be in the wrong place? Yeah. I, First, with my own heart, <clears throat> I pray like David did, Lord, create a clean heart in me. Mm. If there's any wicked in me, any wrong in me, pull it up, get it get it out of here. It's that every day, Psalm 139, Lord, search me and know me. You search me and you mm. know me. And and I think <clears throat> that's taking care of the proper way of taking care of our own hearts. It's but when you're ministering into the hearts of, of people with directive words like that, those moments probably be more corrective words. Mm. Like it's... Hey, get get your heart right. You know, I had conversations with a couple of pastors yesterday, and you know, some of it was gossipy stuff that they were sharing. Some of it was jealousy stuff they were they were sharing. And I go, hey, get your heart right. Like, why are you why are you comparing to another movement? Why are you why are you stuck in something that happened two three years ago? Right. And now this is driving your whole decision making on on who you hire and who you can trust and all of those things. And so to me in those moments, I, I don't just focus on like, hey, give them a slap and saying, get it together. But th- there's a deficit. There's a hole in your soul somewhere that God wants to fill and heal it. Yeah. And, and you know, I think to me, the heart and hunger have a, a whole lot. They actually move and, and, and go together. Yeah. And I'll, I'll make this as plain or as, as simple as I can. I was in a, a meeting a few years back and like I'd get a word of knowledge. Like I had a, this word of knowledge about God healing thyroids. And and I said, you know, if this is not, you don't, don't come forward. Like this is a specific thing. Seven people came. But as I was mentioning to them, all of a sudden the line began to grow because if you know me, yeah, right, <laughs> I, I'm, I can't just pray for healing. I'm going right. to start prophesying to you. And, and so the line began to grow. So I couldn't tell who had thyroid issues or not. And I just felt like this, Oh man, this is dishonoring the Holy spirit because instead of being able to move on to the next word of knowledge or be able to flow by the Spirit, yeah. I was stuck in this line. And then the Sunday night of this three-day meeting came, and I remember the circle was formed around me, like almost two rows deep, and people were kind of pushing in. Some yeah. people were chattering. So you could feel like this, I want my word, I want my word. I said, Lord, what is happening? Like, I don't, I'm not a claustrophobic guy, and I was feeling claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah. Because they're, they're hungry, but they're hungry for the wrong thing. They want a word from you, but not necessarily a word from me. And, and it just hit me to reset the room because they were hungry for the wrong thing because they were hungry for something that would tickle their ears or to right. soothe something in their hearts. Um, and, and I think that in the same way, you know, the, the heart will justify what the mind decides or the mind will justify what the heart decides. And I think that's the, that's the, the, the struggle and the battle in it. And so sometimes it's this constant evaluation and I do this on a daily basis, being a highly emotional person, you know, yeah. is that I have to constantly just check my heart. Like, Lord, what is this? Like, you know, is, is this just me? Is this just my response to what's going on? Yeah. Um, because I think my responsibility, and I think there's a huge responsibility for me is I don't ever want to say that God's saying something that he's not saying. Yeah. Right. So, so sometimes I talk it out like I'm, I'm feeling this. Yeah. And God will speak to that. Sometimes, you know, when I'm probably, uh, well, I guess about 10 years ago, 
I was in a meeting. It was late. When you get tired, I think that's where you have this tendency to either get really, like you can get really connected and yeah, and, and dialed in, or you can kind of almost just <clears throat> have to fight for every word you're giving. And I remember, I think I gave 120 words or something that night, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning. There's a girl there. She's in a, a, a hooded sweatshirt. Um, and the Lord says, tell her I want to heal her scars. And I went to interpret that like the Lord wants to heal the scars in your heart. Right. To be honest, that's an easy word, right? Because there's no way for me to measure that right in that moment. I think I was tired. I think I was feeling drained. I think I was just trying to get to that moment. It's like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And the Lord just stopped me and said, hey, I didn't say that. Don't say it like that. Tell her I want to heal her scars. When I backed up, said, I'm sorry, honey. The Lord said he wants to heal your scars. All of a sudden she said, my arms are burning. My arms are burning. She rolled up her sleeves. We watched just hundreds of, of cuts disappear where she had been a cutter and wow. all of those things. And so it's it's constantly in the moment discerning between soul and spirit, right? Yeah. And because if you don't, you're gonna you're gonna miss moments. Yeah. Or you'll create moments that that don't last. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I said this on Sunday. I was preaching locally, and I just said I'm I'm just really tired of meetings. I think we've exchanged hype for holy. Mm. And so we want to be excited, but what is the, what happens after the meeting? Yep. Right. What happens after the conference? What happens yep. after the huge event? Did I just create uh, this emotional response where a bunch of people came? Like even this, you know, we can give an invitation for people to come to the Lord. People come, and it's like every time's like the first time I weep. I I know some of the people there, so you know it's not their first time coming, but something's happening in their heart. And I just said, hey, you know, if whether you come for the first time or the seven hundredth time, I'd rather have you come than never come at all to the altar. But I want to—I just want to say, listen. Although we feel the emotions in the moment, don't let the emotion yeah. drive the decision. Let this really be where the Lord's doing in the heart. And and there there was no denying that God was was working there. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've watched people use tears to manipulate. Mm-hmm. I've watched people use joy to manipulate. I've watched people. Yeah. You know, we, you know, if you do this long enough, you see it all. But to me, my responsibility is keeping my heart right. Yeah, and and directing the meeting on that. And again, sometimes it's a, it's it can be an hourly, it can be a moment by moment thing. Right. Like, Lord, why am I feeling this? So even in my prophetic words, a lot of times because of my feeler, seer, you know, I'll describe it how I'm getting it. I see this, I hear this, I feel this, and I'm I'm talking it out as I'm. I'm getting it. Like every prophetic yeah. word is probably people are hearing it 30 seconds after I'm getting it. So I don't really have time to process. I, I don't think I should be processing it. I should be getting it. It's like I can, and I just talk it out and more comes. A lot of that is, you know, my physical response to the presence of the glory of God, to the Lord ministering to people. It's going to be tears. It's going to be emotional uh, because if you think of a, of a holy, amazing, eternal God putting himself in this 260-pound frame, you know, it, it's overwhelming like to, to feel all of that flowing through you. And it's going to come out in some way. And yeah. a lot of times for me, you know, it's in the tears, it's in the, in the emotion of it. And so I don't think that all feelings and all emotion are actually bad. God wired you that way. And to deny that, like, yeah. like and, and, I don't. I don't want to steer the conversation anyway. I'm just kind of talking it out with you. 
like for me, if you were to ask me, Dave, are there, are there 10 times that you tried committing suicide, what did you feel? And I'll tell you, I felt nothing at all. And it was the most... Un- Hold on, time out. What? The 10 times I committed suicide, attempted suicide, yeah. right, were not in place where I felt extreme anger right. or depression. Right. Uh, I guess you could say it was hopelessness, but I don't even know if hopelessness is a feeling, right? It's... For me, it was numb. I didn't feel anything at all. I felt unhuman. I felt un, you know, so I was just didn't feel anything at all. I didn't feel life. I didn't feel value. I didn't. And so when you, when you don't feel, when you feel numb. Yeah. I'm telling you, numb is probably the worst place to be. So, okay. So on one of the earlier podcasts, you shared a story of your brother and you've shared this publicly a lot of your brother abusing you. Right. So. The reason why I'm bringing it up is there's a lot of people out there that have struggled with abuse, have struggled with, and like the story that you've shared is, it's horrific, right? That's just one thing. I know other things that you've walked through, gone through, you've had, recently you've had a lot of people that you love go to be with the Lord. When Knowing you, I think we're very similar. We're really led by our heart, right? Which is amazing in a lot of ways, but it also... It also it seems to disrupt, you know, the the flow that 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 we're in. Right? How have you navigated that that season of like coming through abuse? And and I know that was a long time ago. And all of these people that are near and dear to you, COVID thrown in the middle of it, your life changing, kids moving out. How have you handled all those emotions, um, and still kept your filter pure in the prophetic? Yeah. Uh, I I. For, for me, it is is in this place of staying completely grounded and and trusting trusting the Lord in all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, let me say this. Sometimes I think we confuse things like, like I think sometimes we use phrases like, I feel his presence. Mm. And I don't know if I feel his presence as much as I know his presence and I feel his power. Mm-hmm. So there's this amazing thing as I've matured, especially now being 50, almost 52, um, is in this place of I just know that he's there. And I remember one moment recently with uh, just, you know, just in the last couple of months after, you know, losing my mom, my brother, some friends that were really close to me, um, I'd said, Lord, in a moment, just with one word out of your, your mouth, one breath, one wave of your hand, one you know, do something, and I, I know I'll be healed, I'll be whole. And he said, or I can just sit here with you in it. And that gift of presence, like that, just knowing that he's that he's here, changes changes everything. Yeah. And I, I realized this. I didn't always navigate it well because there's a part of us in ministry, although the youngest in my family, in a place of leading my family spiritually and scale of my siblings and. And who I was for my mom and all of that. Um, you 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 do your job. You do what you have to do. And so everybody else is grieving and mourning, and and you somehow somehow the Lord gives you grace or uh, you know, and and you actually kind of power through it. And then in those moments where you just take a break and you just you just weep before the Lord and 
and he draws close. And there's mm-hmm. something about him drawing close. I love that scripture in the Psalms where he says, the Lord draws near to the brokenhearted, yep. and he doesn't refuse a contrite in spirit. What I, lo- I love what it says, but I also love what it doesn't say. It doesn't say once you get wholehearted again and the grief lifts, he leaves. He just draws close, and then he stays there. Mm-hmm. And so this is a moment where the Lord's actually drawing close to me, drawing close to the, a lot of us in transitions, whether it be loss or, or difficulty, where the Lord draws close and you get to know him in a way that you never get uh, to know him. It's that God who wipes away every tear, right? It's that yeah. because he, 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 we know what he felt uh, at the death of his friend Lazarus, right? So I don't become robotic, um, but, but on the aspect of how do you keep that pure, there, there's a way that, um, you know, I weigh every word, and, and that sounds maybe difficult for people to understand but when we'll i break it down yeah so, so people can understand yeah. it so like i don't just flippantly right you know say stuff like and you know it. there's been moments where you've asked me something i was able to yeah to, to revelate right away and there's times i've said well let, let me go pray about it i'll get back to you on it uh and and so for me i, I want to weigh every word because somehow miraculously i think it's the way that i purpose in my heart to process prophecy or the prophetic is um is that every time still like the first time yeah i've been doing this 25 years every time is still like the first time every prophetic word i give every person i stand for it so i look confident i look like i'm in the zone but i'm shaking in my boots i can i can actually feel that trembling on the inside of me and if that ever lifted Mm. and i've said it to you and others then if that ever lifts, if I ever lose that, if I ever think that I can step into a pulpit or grab a microphone and just do this, now I'm in, now I'm out thing, <laughs> like just shoot me, you know, hire me at Chick-fil-A, yeah. let me go mow lawns or something. Because if I ever lose that, it tells me that I've lost the fear of the Lord. Yeah. And so I think the fear of the Lord is, isn't just the beginning of wisdom. It's actually that thing that keeps me pure and right and holy. I think a lot of it's also accountability. I have you, I have others in my life that are like, hey, explain that to me or that didn't seem right or and then you know if you if you miss it be quick to re- repent but, yeah. but when i was saying how i weigh everything like i believe the word of the lord has weight so right so i'm, I'm not just giving it i'm feeling i'm feeling the weight of his presence on me so if i don't feel any weight on it i'm actually going to probably shelf the the word because that no word returns to him void so everything he speaks he sends it forth it accomplishes what what he sent it forth to do Hmm. so i'm not just you know prophecy is not wishful thinking it's not what i hope and desire is is the best for your life and all of those things but it's actually destiny defining moments so every person in front of me uh whether personally or corporately um you know i'm 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 being given charge or influence over people's destinies. So I realize that one word I give you could send you one way or another. Right. And and that's a huge responsibility because I could send you in the wrong direction. It's massive, right? So I'll, I'll just go with this. What's the difference between a wrong prophet and a false prophet? Well, that's a great question because because to me, I know a lot of amazing prophets that on occasion miss it or they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Right, it doesn't make them false. They're, they just had a bad day, or it was out of timing, or out of context. Uh, I, I think they were wrong that day. But I also know a lot of people 
who've gotten it right every time. Yeah. And and they've done it to manipulate. Yeah. So I don't think that that accuracy is the full determination whether somebody's a, a false prophet or a true prophet. I think it's actually the heart. Let, let me ask you about this for a second, because I, I actually wanted to chat with you about this, because I went, I'm getting my, I'm working on my master's, I've taken a pause in the move and with Moosey right now. And part of what I, one of the classes I had to do was go into a lot of the, the critics of, let's, of our movement, the prophetic, um, spirit-filled, um, some of the people that lean on the apostolic, all that. Like I had to read some of the critic, critics and the criticisms that they wrote. And one of the things that keeps recurring is um, there in in the Bible the when a prophet gave a wrong word it one time it made them a false prophet yeah. all throughout the Old Testament. Um, how this isn't an argument that you've that you haven't heard before. You've heard this. What is your response to to that? Because we could just say, well, it doesn't make me a false prophet; it makes me a wrong prophet. But where do you see wrong prophets in the Bible? Or do you see it? Yeah. It's a, it's a really good question. So let, let me break it down between uh, the office of the prophet, mm-hmm. the gift of prophecy, and the spirit of prophecy. Okay. I, I think you can kind of see. Can, 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 before you do that, you have those three. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in those three? So uh, I see myself in the office of the prophet, but I would tell you that probably... 90% of the time that I'm ministering to people one-on-one, mm-hmm. it's from the gift of prophecy. Okay, that doesn't make sense to me. Explain that to me. Okay. So um, Ephesians 4 and 11, yep. uh, he's given some, he himself has given some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's an equipping function. It's a governmental function in in the body of Christ in the church. Then there's the gift of prophecy, which is given to any uh, spirit-filled believer as yep. as the spirit wills. Right. Then there's the spirit of prophecy that you see hit uh, hit Saul. Mm-hmm. It hit um, in the tent of meeting with with Moses in Numbers eleven twenty nine. Yep. Uh, you see it um, it happening a little bit in Antioch and in, in the Book of Acts around Acts nineteen. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They all began to prophesy. You know, so it, it's those those things that happen. So yeah. when the spirit of prophecy comes, well, testimony of Jesus, spirit of prophecy. When there's these moments where everybody in the place suddenly hears God, it's a phenomenon. I don't fully understand mm-hmm. it. That there's the gift in First Corinthians twelve that uh, is given to each each one as the Spirit wills, not as I will, not as I desire. Yeah. First uh, Corinthians fourteen: Pursue love, desire, spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Yep. Only thing I know in the Bible that you're told to covet, right? Mm-hmm. To seek after, yeah, because it edifies the body, not just yourself. And then the office of the prophet. So you watch, you you watch the the in the Old Testament. The only way you could really hear from God is if a prophet came to you or you went to a prophet, right? Okay. They were they were the they were the mediator. They were the the voice of the Lord. They were it was uh, it was rare and it was few um you know that that walked in that i think it was obviously a different dispensation of old old testament new New testament things like that i think that in the in 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 the new testament um as as the holy spirit comes upon people we all have the ability to hear from god yeah still small voice 
prophetic word, something jumps off the scripture that the Lord speaks to to our hearts, right? Uh, and, and so I think that that's another key, another key piece. So in the in the Old Testament, right? You you miss it, you're wrong. You get you get stoned. That was the the punishment or the yeah. the responsibility. Um, um, and then in the in the New Testament, right? You're now in a in a dispensation of of grace, still holy. You, you watch very few people actually call themselves or get called prophets in the New Testament. You know they exist because yeah. he himself's given some to be. So it's not a title; it's a function, mm-hmm. right? So I think in I, I think the 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 weight is a little bit different because Old Testament they were actually when they were prophesying, at least the ones we know of, right? A lot of what they said became scripture. Yeah. What what? So in the New Testament, my word is not equal to scripture, right? Right. Right. I think that's the. That that's the important thing. So there's there's something that 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 changes in that in that moment. So I don't deny the fact that I'm a prophet. I I you know, um, but that responsibility really comes out of friendship with God. It right. actually comes out of this place of intercession, right? Uh, I think what separates um, false from from truth. What what separates Christianity really from the occult or new age stuff to me is is the approach, and I'll explain that like this: is that in the uh, in in new age and the occult, right? It's always trying to connect to something out there, a higher power mm-hmm. out there, um, um, somebody who's died out there, some right. God, some idol. But in 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 our walk in in the New Testament and in, in our amazing charismatic life, it's Holy Spirit does the initiating. Yeah. So he's he's initiating the word. He's he's looking. So we make ourselves available. You're in Costco. Somebody needs a word. Yeah. Holy Spirit can speak to you. I'm ministering an altar. He'll interrupt a message. Person on the fourth row, sitting in the middle. You know, in a certain situation, God God speaks speaks a word. So I think the 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 approach is different, and the weight and the responsibility yeah. are different. Both holy, but different different time, different season. So, okay, so where's the line, right? Because there is a line. Yeah. I really wanted to ask you this question. Yeah. There's a line between, I mean, the Bible warns uh, of false false prophets, yeah. right? Right. I think in that warning, there's an acknowledgement of real prophets, right? right. So it's like yeah. false apostles, then there has to be real apostles. Right. There's going to be false. Uh, and, and most people don't have a problem calling out a false apostle or a false prophet. Yeah. But, there are, but with that, there's yeah. the real. When when do you draw the line with someone? If it's like, you know, if it's a little wishy washy, you know, like wh- what's the line, or or is there what would you look for to call someone a false prophet? Okay. Because like we had a lot of people prophesying. I think it was a big thing in our stream, right? right. Yep. The presidential election right. it like sent people into a turmoil. Right. Where where do you draw the line and be like, okay, you're false? Yeah. What what would that be for you? For for me, it's it's hard. And repentance is is somebody is somebody purposely or for personal so are they purposely trying to lead people astray are they trying to use their gift their whatever they're doing yeah. for personal gain financially mm-hmm. affluence influence those things and so I follow the fruit right so giftings could fool me for a while yeah but fruit never lies 
So I'm following the fruit of somebody's life. So uh, if you if you're really doing life with people, that's why why relationship is so important. Most people that are are really getting off, they isolate themselves. They're really not a part of local church life. They they don't have anybody over them. They're they're kind of like unto themselves. They have no value really for what I would say Jesus has value for, which is his, his church and his bride. Mm-hmm. So I, I look again. I follow the I follow the fruit. So if there's consistent, like you're missing it, or you go back and listen to to stuff, you're like, oh, you said that here, you said yeah. that here, you said the same thing here. Now there are themes. There's times where God is speaking something totally. over the body and declaring that, and and I believe in that, and I'll do that sometimes. But and and I understand that we're somewhat limited in our English language, and right. and so something can sound similar. But when I start hearing somebody give the same word, every, you know, every four people, every right. ten people, then I go, hey, what, what's the source? If somebody's bringing up the past more than future, I question the source because the enemy knows the past. Yeah. Right? So that's I, I, be- good. I, I believe that that's true. So, you know, you listen to people and people be like, oh, when you were 12 years old, this happened to you. When you were 13, you did this. And then people are like in awe, right? Yeah. I love the middle name prophecies. I love the license plate prophecies, the your social security number prophecies. But that to me isn't an end to itself, right? Yeah. That's our words of knowledge, right? So they're, they're unto something. They're a key that opens somebody's heart like, oh, God's got my number. God knows me. Right. God cares about me and those things. But why would God have to tell you something you already know and the fact that he's getting your attention saying, hey, I know this about you. Yeah. Right. But to leave you hanging there is just a show. Yeah. He has a hope and a future for you. So it's always, I, hey, I know this about you, and here's where I'm taking you. Yeah. If it hits on this was your struggle, you've come from this kind of lifestyle, you walked through all kinds of pain, and now here's the purpose of it, then I go, oh, that's re- that's redemptive prophecy. Yeah. That's that's a word that's pulling people uh, uh, up up and out of something. And so I, I, I watch that. I watch the tenor. How, how are we? Watch how people are treating people. Like if like, I understand we all have different personalities. Yeah. I love that, but how like I, I and I've watched people do it, like treat people who are the guard. I was in a meeting one time. I remember I had my my six year old. My son was six. He's now twenty uh, twenty three. We're in a meeting. Uh, I won't say the name of the church or the city to protect the guilty, but we we were in this meeting and. Um, was this know, one of my meetings? No, no. no I'm just I, I, I was really excited about the, the the meeting, and I had my son there because you know he was six yeah. and hearing God, and I wanted him to you know. And they were taking the offering, okay, and and there's one of these meetings where there's two and three offerings, and it's yeah. and I understand all all of it, but it was so manipulative. And at the the end, this prophetic or prophet person, um saying uh, at the end of her her ministry i want um i want people to get a significant offering and and bring a significant offering uh, and i'll pray for you so i watched this lady come to the front obviously desperate has something in an envelope hands it to the lady the lady opens the envelope ten dollar bill in the envelope goes this is not significant and basically rebukes her, dispels her, and lets her feel insignificant and kind of shuns her away. I went to the pastor and I said, if you don't stop it, I'm going to stop it. 
and they didn't stop it. And so I went up and I whispered to the lady and I said, Hey, that's not the right. It gave the check or the one that the, the one that was the prophet person. Okay. So that's, that's not God. That's not right. If you keep it up, I'm leaving. Well, she did it again. So I told the, the pastor, if you don't stop it, I'm out of here. They didn't stop it. So I took my son. I said, now you've seen what not to do. And I walked out and they were trying to give me a check I, I said, I can't take anything from the meeting. Well, why can't you take anything from the meeting? Because because it's it's unholy. Right. What you've just done is manipulate. You just you just fleeced the flock. You, you've actually that's that's emotion. That's manipulation. That's divination. That that's that's wrong. So even if every word that person gave, mm-hmm. I would never read one more of her books. I would ne- I, I would never ever put myself in a meeting with that person again have you have you ever had to call out anyone besides i mean that that was one example have you ever had to do that over the years yeah yeah, yeah. can can you share because i think a lot of times we share the good stuff and i think a lot of people they look at uh they look at our movement like the wild wild west yeah and they don't know what goes on behind closed yeah. doors so when i say in ephesians that, that he has given some to be apostles prophets pastors he's an evangelist equipped the saints to do the work of the ministry and i say that's a governmental function yeah. Okay. D- define that. Okay. So because people think control. No. So okay. it has 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 nothing to do with control. Has everything to do with accountability. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm holding you an account for your actions, good and bad, but I'm also holding you an account for your ability. So if I, if I see somebody getting sloppy in their ministry, all they do is preach the same. I, I understand we have life messages. We we all do yeah. right. But if if somebody just has their same three, yeah. blah blah blah. And I'm like, five years later, I'm like, dude, right? Okay. No, I, I, <laughs> no, I, I get it, but, man. But what I'm, I'm, there, there's a difference between when the anointing is on a life message no, I'm with you. and somebody who just doesn't prepare. I the, totally the, am with they you. They are not spending time in the presence of God, and you know it. This is, a, this is just their business transaction. Yep. So my job is to go, hey, you're better than that. The giftings of God are in you. Like, So why did you walk in miracles, and now you're backing up from that? Why? Why, why did you actually used to minister to people like you really love them? And now it's like, yeah, there's my, there's right. my offerings worth. Yeah. So uh, we're holding them an account for their ability. We're also holding them an account for their, their actions. And if, 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 if they miss it or if there is their, their attitudes off. Right. I think like, again, yesterday I had a conversation with somebody and, you know, confrontation's not my, like, you know me, right? I'm Mr. Compassion, Mr. Mercy. Confrontation is not necessarily my... I disagree, but okay. okay. I think you're really good at confrontation. I, I am in the sense of that I do it with kindness. Yes. But it's the most uncomfortable part of my world. Yeah. Like I'm with I, you. I get it. I'd but rather, I think you're really good right. at it. So I just noticed something has been off with somebody that I'm in relationship with that I, that I love a lot. Um, and... In my last two interactions, um, I felt like that they were distant, like they just wanted to avoid, you know, avoid me. So instead of letting that go, I recognized, hey, something's up. Yeah. So I just said, hey, you know, what, what's going on with you? Because this is what I sensed or, or, or felt. And it was real simple, but it's where the enemy comes to just to try to. Right. So what you don't confront becomes your culture. Mm. Right, 
And, and so I know the importance of me being connected. You will always know if something's going on in my life because I'll isolate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, and I'm not just talking about I need some alone time. I need to be in the prayer. Right. Like, I'm talking about I will sit for days, you know, by myself, and, and that's just not good for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think prophets who isolate themselves get weird, right? Apostles who isolate themselves get weird. If, if you become your only ministry is what people see on the stage, but right. you're not interacting with right. in, in everyday life, you're, you're going to get you're going to get off. You're going to, there's something, why? Because there's nobody speaking into your life. And I don't care if you're the, the greatest apostolic leader in America or in the yeah. world, you still need people around you yeah. to, to bounce things off of, to encourage you to be able to have, to have permission to call you out on stuff. Yeah. Right. It's one of the things that I, I say about you is, is you're one of the few friends that I have that actually, actually asked me, Am I keeping it clean? How's it going? We talk about our marriage, all, all of yeah. those things, right? And and so I know, right? I mean, it's one of the things that holds me. So if I get tempted in some area, I go, you know, at any moment, you and I could be together or talk to each other, and I'm going to have to answer for that. Yeah. And either I can choose to BS you or yeah. just be honest with you, right? And, and so to me, the safest place for me is in covenant relationships. I love being pastored, which is weird right. for a prophet. Super. It's actually. Let's just be honest. It's weird for a lot of yeah. ministers that yeah. take the stage. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. I love it. Like, I love submitting myself. I, I actually, I love it because it keeps it keeps me grounded. It keeps me fed when I'm traveling. Somebody's actually shepherding my family. Yeah. Uh, I know that if I knew with my spiritual dad, if I got off one phone call from somebody saying, "Hey, yeah." Wagner's out there. My pastor would sit me down and and say, hey, what's going on with you? And he wouldn't do it to sit me down or pull me in, but, but he would say, hey, I want longevity in your life. Yeah. So all that to say, going back to the, the original question of, of, of governing, right? So in my role, I, I serve on various boards. I'm you know helping to oversee churches. So in that governmental realm, like I have this responsibility to go, to, to confront things, if it's sinful, if it's, you know, attitude. You know, one of the things that I'm confronting a lot now is is people in the way that we justify our actions or our attitudes based on our personality type, <laughs> right? So I'm this on the Enneagram, whether you believe in the Enneagram or not. You're going to get me, dude. I'm whether, under the, uh, yeah. whether, whether I'm a, you know, on a, on a disc, if I'll... Yeah. Uh, like for me, I'm a high I. So... If I if I don't have people in my life grounding me in that, yeah, high I personalities, I'm life of the party, the golden retriever, yeah. let's all that stuff. Well, there's a tendency in that to to then dismiss my lack of administration, right, and and uh, you know organization and just kind of gives me a right to be irresponsible because I'm an I right. personality or a D. Well, I'm just being direct. No, you're actually being a jerk. So can you calm that down or? I'm an S, and so I'll do whatever you tell me, but I'm right. not going to take initiative. Or I'm a C, and you go, well, I have a right. This is mine, and I want to do it with excellence, and nobody else can do it like me. Yeah. Well, then you're not equipping people. So yeah. so I'm, I'm in this zone right now where I'm like, hey, that, that's actually not actually not personal. That's character. Yeah. Have you studied the Enneagram, Enneagram the, the, uh, the, where I, it came from? No, I'm the least. I'm actually the least um, knowledgeable about that one. I uh I, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but it basically has its roots in the occult. 
mm-hmm. like the founder. Um, they were, yeah, I'm not going to go into it. You can yeah. research it yourself. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of that stuff is great as a tool. Yeah. But uh, I'm not a big fan of the Enneagram, but um, like disc test, I've done yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. But when it becomes a crutch that yeah. you lean on, right. I think it's, or when you like classify people as a certain way, yeah. um, love languages, I think it's really great to know yeah. how people receive and give. But if you use that to justify right. why you, you got garbage in your life, I think it's, I think it's awful. So every tool's good up to a point. Right. Um couple of questions. Yep. Speaking of government, do you think people in the office of profit should prophesy about government? The government. Like the presidency, that sort of thing. I believe there are times where the Lord speaks to prophets, prophetic people about that. Um I also believe this that some things God speaks to us isn't to shout it on a microphone or Facebook or Instagram mm-hmm. or YouTube. It's actually, it's actually to pray. It's actually, you know, I, so here, here's what I would say. If, if, if God speaks to you, right? Lord, is this a word for me? Is this a word to intercede or is this a word to give for public consumption? Mm. And I think you have to you have to weigh that. I, I I don't know all of the people or their or their hearts during 2020. I just know what the Lord spoke to me, and He said you could either be a political prophet or a governmental prophet. So I just uh, you know the Lord had spoke to me some things, but I said Lord, I want to be a governmental prophet, and in essence of I don't want to be first to press. I don't care if I ever get into certain office but it'll get you more and, views and bit, well i'm really bad at social media go ahead i don't think i've posted <laughs> anything since 2022 so <laughs> my wife's birthday i think in october yeah. but but to to me it's it's this that i think people become echoes instead of voices yep. they i think some people even at best they meant well and missed it you watch the humility and character of people who actually just said hey i'm sorry i missed it i repent of that and you watch people that are still sticking to their guns, like, you know. And and I think we make idols. We can make our ministry idols. We can make certain people or politics yeah. idols. And last time I checked, God doesn't like idols very much. So right. So it was the same stank way. Stank on that. Right. One. But can can I say this? You say whatever you want. So you know. Um, I really don't. I I care from the perspective of who's in the White House because I know when the righteous reign, the, the, the people you know people rejoice and uh, the blessings and stuff. But I don't want to be more focused on a White House or you know who's the prime minister of somewhere more than I'm focused on the fact that the king is on the throne, mm. right? Nate, why do why do kings why do nations rage? Kings plot a vain thing. Psalm chapter two. He and exists in the heavens shall laugh. God sets kings and he dethrones them, yeah. right? So all of this is a part of a political process. If, and I have ministered in in that realm behind the scenes, don't talk about it publicly, um, and not only just in America but in other places, what I find is when the Lord speaks to those folks, it's not about their election. It's actually about their life, yeah. about their family, about who they are and what they yeah. mean, to, mean to the Lord. And, and and so if we can 
keep it to that. Like what what I find is there's just this. I'm gonna get. I'll probably get in trouble. It's okay. I think we both um, will. Yeah. You know, because I'm gonna end up agreeing with you. Yeah. So so Jesus is not a white conservative Republican. He, he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yeah. Uh, he's not coming back as an American king or a Western king. He's coming back as a Jewish king, right? So, all all of this stuff and swirl that we we build around it. Can God speak to that? Sure. God knows who's going to win the World Series this year and who's going to win the Super Bowl next year, uh, and all of those things. But in the scheme of eternity, what does it matter? Right. right. I think there's these mile markers and these indicators. And I just think that really what we need, what the Lord's done, I think, in the in the prophetic movement uh, is he's brought a humbling, right, a, a humility and a thing. Like, like I, I want to be Moses' great com- greater com- greatest competition uh, in being the most humble man who's ever lived. Hard when you're this handsome, I understand <laughs> it. But, but to me, it's, it's this humility. Like, I want to humble myself. I'm not above missing it. But if I miss it, um, I can promise people this. If, if I ever miss something, if I ever miss something that I, I say to you, I can I can stand here wholeheartedly and say, I, I, I'm sorry I missed it, but I did it with the right heart. Like my heart wasn't to manipulate you or to right. hurt you or to just tell you something. Like, like I, I did it because I really felt this for you or the presence of God. Sometimes people come back 10 years later and say, that's right. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. But I, I never want to be so proud or arrogant to think that I have the word and you don't. Right. I want to remain teachable. I'm just learning like everybody else. I'm just a joint that's supplying like everybody else. And, and you know, so my heart, my heart breaks because, you know, in, in this life, in this world, in, the, in this church and, and all of our movements and all of those things, I mean, I have a friend in Australia. He's a great guy. Uh, and he said, I, I wouldn't want to have a strong word of knowledge gift right now, and I wouldn't want to be a prophet right now. And he said, because you're only as good as your last prophecy. And he wasn't saying that as a shot to me. He wasn't saying that as a dig to me. He was saying that's how the world views you. That's how the church views you. So they can get all excited about you, happy clappy because you got it right. But the moment you get it wrong, yeah, they'll turn on you. Hmm. Larry, right? Larry Randolph said the exact same thing to me once. That it, and it, for those of you who don't know who Larry is, Larry's amazing, amazing man. Uh, he's he pastors right now, but has traveled the globe as a as a prophet. Amazing teaching gift. Love love that man. In fact, can I let me just? He, he texted me last night, and I think you're very similar to Larry. He's smarter than me. Well, I agree. No, this is this is, and I think this is why I love. There's a group of prophetic voices, and I don't. These are like my personal friends, and they're they're my favorites in the sense of uh, I'll run with them because of the heart that they carry. And I know a lot of people that have done a lot of things in the prophetic, you know, but I don't run with them. But the guys I run with uh, carry that same heart, and. Uh, and this is this is just what Larry texted me uh, at ten thirty six last night. He says, "You're on my heart. I just couldn't go to sleep without telling you uh, how much I respect and love you, no less than my own bi- biological son." Uh, I mean, it just fast. It was just a, a personal thing about my wife. Uh, spring is coming. 
and I'm and I'm so ready, and I'm sure that you're that you're ready for the warm breeze of the Spirit to blow on your life. Be encouraged. So that's like 10:30 at night. Has nothing to do with a big word, right? That speaks to me more than 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 most. Yeah. And I think the a lot of the prophetic, and I would encourage any of you guys watching this, if you can get anything from this conversation, I'm not talking to you, but if you can get anything from this conversation, there's a marker in the prophetic that I think as we discern the voice of the Lord, you want to get it from voices that walk in humility, right? Like I've heard nothing from you being like, I have to be right or I have to be wrong and I have to give the biggest word. Like, it's the opposite. I would say the same with Larry. Like, Larry at 1030 at night is texting me. You do the same, the exact same thing. And the reason why I, I roll with you, and there's so many others. I can, we can list them off. But as you guys are listening to voices, right, that are out there, they might be popular, they might have big social media or whatever, make sure they carry that heart. Same as pastor, right? I would like, I would want that from a pastor, your prophets as well. Um, that who are they behind closed doors? And uh, I think you carry that that same thing that Larry carries, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, First uh, Thessalonians says, "Don't despise prophecy, mm-hmm. but judge it. Hold on to what is good." And I, I think sometimes we can despise it because. Words haven't come to pass. Sometimes we despise it because we know if you're a prophet, you can despise it because you know what it's going to cost you. Right. And reputation or friends or, or whatever. But don't despise it. Hold on to what is hold on to what is true. Judge it. Hold on to what is true. I think a good way maybe to segue in this is people ask me all the time, how do you judge prophecy? I always say, number one, does it line up with Scripture? Mm-hmm. Because God will never contradict Himself, He He 100%. won't He He won't tell you to do something outside of His Word. He, he will not contradict Himself. Second thing, it should always sound like a loving father talking to a son or a daughter. Can it be stern? Yes. Can yeah. it correct you? Yes. Can it direct you? Yes. But it's it's always going to be dripping with 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 love. So you know, uh, you've heard me say it. If, if I can only preach one thing the rest of my life, it would be First Corinthians fourteen one: Pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts, but here's why I think we miss it: we're, we're pursuing spiritual gifts while desiring love. But I don't think I think if you First Corinthians twelve gifts of the Spirit, First Corinthians thirteen love, First Corinthians fourteen gifts of the Spirit, like it's not a misplaced scripture, like First Corinthians thirteen love, and then four, chapter fourteen begins with love, because God is love. So if if you want to be accurate. If you want to see more people healed, more people, more miracles in your life, it's all going to begin with the pursuit of love. Yeah. So, if my only if my only motivation is that I love God and I love you, the chances of me missing it are going to be pretty minimal because I love you too much to just want to throw some right. nicety at you. I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough to share what's what what God's saying. And 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 uh, so I think those things are really, really important. And and you know I've given tens of thousands of words. Um, so I always love when people go. I don't remember. 
don't remember, but I think you gave me this word. I can't remember what you said, but I remember what I felt. Yeah. And I go, that's a really great compliment. Yeah. You know, I, I, I understand we all want to be known and all of those things. But the, the fact is that somebody can go, hey, I, I remember feeling the heart of God. I remember feeling the love of God being poured out on me that day. That, that's greater than somebody going, hey, you got it right here, right here, right here. Like, I think we should have feedback in our life, but I don't, I don't seek feedback out. In other words, I don't go, that makes sense to you. Right. I don't, you know, did I get it right? Because that just feeds my own ego. And so it's it's this place of constantly letting the Lord keep me humble. I'd rather let God humble me than let than be humbled by man because God's a whole lot nicer. You know, he's he's a whole lot kinder in the in the process. And then if you if you miss it, if you if you're a prophetic person and you miss it, just go, I'm sorry I missed it. Just repent and, and move on like right. Like I have this, you know, they're gonna, there's going to come a day where we're going to stand before the Lord. Didn't I prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name? Yeah. And he said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Like that stuff haunts me. Like not from a place of um, I'm, I'm, I think I am or I'm, I'm in that place, but but it not haunts me as much as it, it keeps me grounded. Like I, I don't want to get some before the Lord and go, hey, I got 90% right and 10% I made up because right. I needed something to say. Like I want to be able to stand before him and go, Lord, I did everything you told me to do, and I said everything you told me to say. I didn't add to it. I didn't take away from it. And and I think that's important. The, the fear of the Lord, the awe of God has to come back to it. Yeah. I, I don't want to be familiar, so familiar with it that I, I think I can do it on my own. That's really the fear of the Lord. It's it's not being afraid of God. It's being afraid of doing anything without him. Right. And and, and to me, that's just just the purity of heart. Yeah. Right? It comes back to that. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I believe that's a salvation word, but I also believe that's a blessed are the pure in heart. You're going to see God do so many things yeah. in the earth, but keep your heart right in it. Yeah. And we watched it. Like I think you can go to the falls of the 80s, the falls of the 90s, the stuff that's happened, that the pride comes before the fall. Yeah. And whenever you, know, you watch somebody, you know, listen to people's messages. If it's more I, I, I than Jesus it's more i did and we did and me did and my yep. church and like i've said it to, to to people i am near and dear to i'm like you know I, I think i hear our church name or our movement's name more than i hear the name of jesus and that's concerning to me mm. and and you know what i have to check myself sometimes because yeah. you can get really excited like i did this and i was here and 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 it's not the false humility, right? Like, oh, brother, I know it's it's all the Lord. Yeah. But but it, it's actually going, like, uh, whose kingdom are we building? What are we, you know? And I, I and was the, I was talking to Stephanie, and I was like, Stephanie, I'm so happy YouTube wasn't around when I first started in ministry. Yeah. Like, I, we I lived that I lived in that like yeah. the high statements. Yeah. Because you're just you're growing, you're excited. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy that. YouTube wasn't around back yeah. then because I, I would have yeah. some horrible stuff. I probably still do. Speaking of Stephanie, one of the greatest things, she said something a, f- a couple months ago that every day just I, I rehearsed this this statement. Um, she said, the closer you get to the Holy of Holies, the, le- the, le- the less you get to take with you. So the closer you get to him, the less of all of this stuff you get to take in with you. And you know, if you if you want to know what purity heart looks like, oh, love, love. that's 
that's that's Stephanie. That's, she, she sat here recently, and we got to we got to chat and connect. And I, she shared a story. You can listen to it in in the podcast with her. But she shared a story where I met her. I think she was eighteen, I think, and I came to her church and I gave her a word, or she, or she took what I was saying as a word, yeah, and left the guy that she was engaged to, based off of that, and like thanked me, and it it, it was one of those things that. Just send shivers down my spine because I was like, I don't remember saying that. Yeah. I don't know what it looked but, like, but yeah. but again, that's a great example of why it is so important to keep it right. pure, right? Because it's people's lives and destiny, right? That didn't just affect one person; that affected two people, yeah. And one way or the other, like, mm-hmm. so if you don't know, just say I don't know, yeah, right. I think some of the greatest ways that I've seen prophetic maturity modeled in yep. this season is when you ask a prophet something and they go i don't have anything right now yeah uh i'm gonna take a poll none of, none of them are expecting this how many of you in this room they got one two three four five people have have gotten a word from wags david wagner before uh so i got three of you guys um in a nutshell can you like summarize it like just step in two seconds just two seconds you don't have to make it weird Corey, come here really quick everybody Corey perkins uh Crowd yeah, goes, the crowd goes wild. Uh, Corey Perkins, here. Should I take a knee? Yep. Uh, here, no, you sit here. What uh, What was the word that Wags gave you? Oh, man. Um, there's been a couple, and every single one of them have completely changed the trajectory of my life. Um, I'm sorry. I just got back from the dentist, so I'm like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of them, I mean, I think the first two, maybe the first the first one that I really remember that changed my life was about meeting my wife and moving across the country. But you had given that to me and it meant nothing to me at the time. And it wasn't until I was coming back from California after, I think it was after meeting her. And I like went back and listened to that. And, um, yeah. Um, and then another one about what I would be doing in the next season of my life and starting a business and things. And, um, Every one of them have been spot on and more accurate than I could have ever imagined and um, really transformative. So the, just so people get a little bit of context, because what you're saying sounds really fluffy, but you were in like a really, <laughs> really, you were in a really, really bad place in your life, like yeah, a hard place. Tell them how bad it was. Um, how bad my life was. So Corey's wife, uh, for, Corey's wife left him, right? And like came home from work one day and the house was gone and still, <laughs> I mean, sorry, the, everything in the house was gone. The house was still, the house was still, it was yeah, an apartment, yeah. uh, but everything was gone. Right. And yeah. so you still haven't talked to her no. once from that month. That was years ago. So you were at like, I, we've been running together for years. Forever. I've never seen you that low. Right. And I think when you, when you met him, he was, he was like in it. And, if I can be really honest, like you were, you were questioning, like, is it worth it? Right. Mm-hmm. Like you were, he was, he was the, the furthest South I'd ever seen him. And you've been through a lot, right. Um, you've seen a lot and to see, to see him in that depth of despair, it was like what we were talking about earlier. It was rough. And I remember when you gave him that word, it was it at a pursuit conference in Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. And you, and it didn't pull you out of it. No. Right. 
but it gave you like a little bit of, it did give you like a little bit of encouragement, but it didn't like suck you out of the right. thing. Yeah. Um, and then, and then fast forward a few months, uh, we move out, my wife and I, and some of the team moves out. You stay to California. You stayed back in, in, uh, Pennsylvania, but you were like, well, I want to come to California with you. You go on a trip, you meet Katie on this trip that had nothing to do in Reading. You end up moving out to Reading. Everything changes. You just have Willa, who's the most precious little girl. Um, yeah, yeah, it's. I don't. I. I mean, nobody's. Yeah, I've had a lot of prophetic words in my life, and uh, yeah, none of them can touch. And you're pretty skeptical too. Yeah, like in a I'm good that, way. Yeah, like, yeah, healthy, healthy skepticism yeah. for sure. No, no, no. Like I, we're from like the north, right? It's yeah, the, I don't know if that's why I'm skeptical. We turn right? tree sap into syrups. Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, I'm very skeptical, and um, I've had a ton of words in my life, and so yeah, that speaks to David's ministry, and yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful for you. So thanks, thanks, thanks for giving me those, and um, thanks for continuing to be my friend. <laughs> that's the best part about. I think for me is when you not only live a life of revelation, but relationship, you actually get to have these moments where you find out like, like I remember being at, at, uh, at your wedding on a, it was a good Friday, a couple, a few years in 2018 before I moved here. And, um, we're just sitting there just feeling the heart of God. And sometimes you don't even know the fruit or the weight of that word. To be honest, I don't even remember giving that word, but I do remember those days I, I think i was in a lot of conversations with bs and um and jeff and a few others it was like what do you think there was that that holy and you know cautious skepticism of of, of wanting to get things right so i remember when i ministered to you there, there's that extra weight of like oh my gosh i don't want to yeah. i don't want to i don't want to miss it and and i think those things are healthy like i think the smartest people are the people who ask questions and 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 here's what I think. If people ask questions, we have this tendency to go, they have doubt. But I think if we actually have the right ears and the right heart in it, people are actually asking questions in faith because they really want to believe. And and so when you hear that kind of feedback, when you hear that real like that, like that's a destiny defining word. It's not some fluff and stuff. It, you don't understand it in the moment, but when all of a sudden you look back a couple years later, you get a word in hell, and all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, God, you knew me back then. Mm-hmm. And and I think sometimes that also speaks to me about the process because sometimes you get a word and you think, oh, this is going to pull me out of whatever hole I'm in. Yeah. And actually the Lord is saying, hey, there's probably some ways to go, but there is an end to the suffering. There's an end to what you're walking through. Yeah. And so there's, there's a whole lot of meat in what you shared. Appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because hey, because of that, it's now really going to go up got, to like, like really quick. Did you have one that changed yet? Just really quick. Don't, yeah, come here. Did, was there a word he gave you that, that really impacted you? Um, many of them. Um, I mean, I think the first thing that stood out. I remember the first word I got from you and Pemba was you first gave me a word of knowledge, something about being from South Africa. So, I mean, that immediately caught my attention because I'm like, this guy hears God's voice because he knows where I'm from. But um, but I think in all the words, there's been many different things that you've said over the years. I think the thing that 
always loved is you always share, like you said, for God's heart, his love. And it's like, it's very generic things, but it's thing because I, because I know he's saying it directly to me of like, just who I am as a person, not even about the future as much, which those things are also awesome. And some of those I'm still looking forward to see, see, see them happen. But, but there's always just who I am as a person. And, and even you, you as a person, how you make me feel valued. And um, every time off, when you, you used to come visit us in Pemba, I feel like when you leave, you say, I feel so refreshed and like, you guys are so amazing. And you, you honor us so much that that sometimes made more to me than even the words, just how you made us me feel valued and as an, as an important person, like this famous prophet who God speaks to and it goes around the world and, you, and the amount of value you gave me was... I felt so encouraged every time you came to Pemba. Yeah. yeah, I would say I feel so refreshed. And then I landed in South Africa and took a shower at your parents' house. Yeah, <laughs> uh, really refreshed. Yeah. yeah. No. Dylan, you got a quick one? Yeah, and, come on, jump on in really quick. So, you know, when Hank said something can sound really generic, I think to sometimes to a general audience, yep. words can sound like, oh, they're generic. But to the person, it's very specific. And like I real I, I realize this is sometimes these words that I can be in a meeting too, and I can go like eh, that just sounds kind of you're watching somebody cry because you don't know their story, and yet the Lord's pinpointing things right. to them in a way that they know that God knows them, but the whole world doesn't need to know. Right. You know? It's, that, that's the danger. So that's the danger in the accuracy thing, right? Because I think from the outside, somebody can look at it and be like, "That's a generic word. That's like a simple thing." But no, it mean like you gave me a word um, recently at our family gathering about hats. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember this? Oh, wearing many different hats, juggling hats or something. So like I wear a hat all the time, but I have like two that I wear, maybe three. I have an iris hat. I have like a couple of Kuyu, which is a hunting brand. That's basically it. I don't even know if you've seen it. Maybe you have because you've been in my house. You gave me a word about like me collecting hats from very important spiritual things that I've done and have. I never wore a hat growing up. I have probably like 50 hats. And I have like 30 hanging on the back of my door in my bedroom that I just had to like go and buy a thing to hang them because I won't get rid of them because they represent like where I got them in Brazil, somebody, you know, gave me a word. I visited my buddy's ministry at this period of growth and he had hats. Like, I won't get rid of any of them. And nobody knows this. And yeah, you could say it's like, oh, well, I'm sure Willie wears a hat. He must have a hat collection, right? Man, I just want to hit you right in your face. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, do you know what I'm saying? Like, and it seems so stupid, but that actually spoke to me more than a lot of the rest of the word. And it, and it wasn't, it was like you gave this word about hats and a collection. And, but what it meant was my wife couldn't get angry at me anymore for having hats. Thank you. No, no, I just, you know, what it meant was like, it was, it was so silly, but it was so small, but it spoke so big to like the importance of this thing that I love and like this mile markers in my life. So to the insignificant, somebody might say like, oh, well, that's just a stupid word. It doesn't mean anything. No, no one's ever given me a word like that about about something like that in my freaking bedroom that nobody can see. It's like mm -hmm. behind a door to my bathroom. Yeah. And I just, 
sometimes we look for the big, like who the next president is. Yeah. And we go like, that's the powerful thing. Yeah. But I mean, you, you do it very well and everybody has their different gifts, but you know, the words that you give, they just speak right to the heart. Go for it. I mean, this is Dylan, by the way, I would say, Dilly. I mean, I, I can't really look at him or else I'm going to start crying. Don't, don't make him weird, dude. <laughs> you know, He's you, start you touching the tip of his tongue <laughs> in the corner of his I mean, it's just more than a word. It's just, it's just your life. I wouldn't be here. I literally wouldn't be sitting at this table if it wasn't for you believing in me and supporting me and fathering me and mentoring me and all that you've done. I will say when, when when Dave gave me a word, uh, we did like a one-on-one, like 45 minute. And this was before he really knew me. Uh, at his school, actually. And I left, and I was like, I'm not crazy. <laughs> like, like there actually is a call of God. And it was when it was actually when you were like, hey, I want to open my life up to you and, and let you in. And I went, home, I went home to my Airbnb, and I just cried because I was like, I've asked God, just send me somebody that will show me how to do this. And all I want to do is serve God. All I want to do is... And, uh, and so I remember that because I was just like, I'm not crazy. And there's actually someone who sees it and they believe it. And, uh, so, but there's been so many, but just your life, man, you know, I love you. My routine. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I remember August 19th, 1999, back to school Sunday night in Pensacola, Florida at our church and, I got a word for a hundred and some people in a row. And that night, my my best friend who was pastor and his dad was a senior pastor looked at each other and my friend said, oh my goodness, David's not a pastor, he's a prophet. And they knew what to do with me. And for the first time in my life, somebody actually knew what to do with me. And, and I think that's the thing. If you're called by God, you're gonna be misunderstood, whether it's in the prophetic or apostolic or missions or, or, or whatever. And it just takes somebody to open up their their life, their house, to let you see the good, the bad, and the and the ugly, uh, and also expose you like, hey, this ministry life is great, but it's it's also hard. It's not glamorous. We're not always jet setting, and you know, it's 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 actually we're giving life, and life is flowing out of us. And at the end, you got to take out the trash, mow the lawn, <laughs> wash the car, um, all of those things. And so it's actually about life that's really what discipleship is teaching people how to live a god kind of life and and so you're a, you're an amazing gift to to me and our family and and okay, enough of that well, yeah. you know i love you no, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding listen yeah. thank you thank you wags i got one last question and i know i'll try to keep this just really quick yeah. love you buddy that was not staged by the way no i didn't know by the way everything we talked about i had no idea what to come or what to say even and said what should we talk about I don't know. Just keep me on my toes. The even the thing with your hats, like I've known you thirteen years. Yeah, nobody seen knows you that. wear a couple of different hats. Been in your house numerous times. Never, never been in your bedroom or saw that. So it, it, the the weird thing is like maybe it was like three weeks before you gave me that word. I actually like bought a thing to hang them all because I was I cleaned out my closet. My wife was like, throw them away. I was like, no way. And I and I like got something to organize them. It was just it was a weird coincidence, and nobody would know that. Unless you're my wife, right? But, and I think, I actually love those words. 
I do. I love them. They're small. They might seem insignificant. And of course, the rest of the word was incredible. But uh, that that really stuck out to me. Um, I have one last question for you. I'm reading a book. Okay. I know. It's amazing. Are you shocked? You didn't see that yeah. prophetically. No. Boom. Uh, I'm reading a book. And it's called, um, okay, I'm going to say the name of it. But I'm not. I'm not throwing shade. I disagree with the author. Okay. Uh, I got it right here. This is actually the only thing I want to ask you about. It's called God Doesn't Whisper. It's by Jim Osman. Uh, John MacArthur wrote, wrote the foreword. Uh, and the reason why I've been reading is I watched uh, a lot of Jim share about this book and his story. And I would like to say, I, Jim, as a brother, uh, I don't uh, have anything against him. I just disagree with his take on hearing the voice of God. Jim, if you're watching this, I apologize. Like, and I will, and I would love to have you on. You will obliterate me in any debate. He's brilliant pastor, yeah. uh, brilliant minded, knows the word way better than I do. Um, and I honor you and respect you for that. I'm going to butcher this probably, and I haven't gotten through it all. Uh, but the premise of the book is uh, we don't hear the voice of God today. Christians really don't hear the voice of God today outside of the Bible and wisdom. And you didn't know I was going to do this, but as I'm reading this, I understand what he's saying. I understand his premise. I understand the points in theory. But I started hearing his voice minutes before I got saved and minutes after I got, got saved and have continued on and seen the fruit Right. And not just me, like hundreds of thousands of people around the globe that can attest to hearing his voice. Um, what would you say to a believer who loves the Lord with all of their heart, mind, soul and strength, but might be more cessationist, doesn't believe the gifts are for today, doesn't believe, um, has has a real fear of the prophetic, that we're a bunch of wolves in sheep's clothing and maybe even might take the stance of Jim and. Uh, and John MacArthur wrote the foreword, who John MacArthur is a brother in Christ. Um, like I said, I disagree with him fundamentally on a few things, but he knows the word better than I do. What would you say to somebody that is like, he doesn't speak today. He, he only speaks through the Bible. You mentioned earlier that you, you, you match up and nothing, no, no word uh, can come out of alignment with the scripture. But what would you say to somebody that says, he, he, he doesn't speak to us audibly, still small voice. He, and, and I will, just to represent you well, Jim, and I know I'm probably not, sir, but like, um, you know, still small vo voice. The verse jumped off the page. God gave me a sign. God opened a door. I put out a fleece. These are the names of some of his uh, chapters of the parts. Uh, I felt led. I had a dream. I saw a man in white. Um, yeah, these are some of the, you know, some of the things that we throw around and he, and he addresses them and how, Hey, it's probably not the best way to make a decision. What would you say to somebody that's like, I've never heard his voice. And as I read this, I know I'm, I'm getting to my question. As I read this, Jim shared a story of where like he asked God a question and he never got a response. He felt like something was wrong with him. He felt like, uh, he felt like, yeah, why aren't, why aren't you speaking to me? God, like, I want to hear your voice. I'm asking all my friends are hearing and he went down the road of studying the scripture and he came up with this conclusion as well as did a lot of other people. This is just the first book that I've read about this. Um, what would you say to someone that 
that takes that stance? Um, God wants to heal you from death by disappointment. And here's what I'm saying. A lot of his theology, what you just shared, was based out of a moment of, God, I'm asking you this question. I need you to talk to me. And he didn't hear for, for whatever reason. And now that created a disappointment, which has now led him into a certain doctrine or belief system. I was raised in a church that didn't flow in the gifts, all those things. Love, thankful for my my heritage. I tell people I'm a recovering Calvinist. I'm thankful for, for, for my roots. I just know that God showed up in my room when I was six and spoke to me that I was called to go around the world preaching the gospel. Uh, I lived a miserable, existent life running away from God. And when I committed suicide on January 17, 1997, Jesus came and stood in my room and he woke me up and he called me son. And he repeated those words to me, son, I've called you to go around the world preaching the gospel wherever you know lives be touched and changed. So people ask me, David, how do you know the voice of God? And I tell them this, it's the same voice that woke me up. It's always the same voice. It's the same voice. It's been consistent in my life. I have, you know, amazing kids. One of my sons, Josh, was born without the, with the cord wrapped around his neck four times, three times. Didn't breathe for five minutes. God brought him to life. He's very sensitive. I was taking him out a few weeks or a few years ago, and uh, he wasn't saying anything. And I said, "Everything all right, Josh?" He said, "Yeah, Dad. You don't have to say anything for me to know your heart." And I realized he wasn't just talking to me about our relationship, but I felt like he was talking to me about the Lord. We went to Starbucks, we were talking, and I said, does God talk? He said, yeah, Dad, all the time. So how does that happen? He goes, I talked to him, he talked back to me. And and it was this childlike faith in it, like he, he grew up in it. I think truth, divorce from experience always leaves you in the realm of doubt. But I also think equally it's dangerous to have an experience without truth. Hmm. So I, in Pensacola, there's these guys that stand on street corners um, Every Saturday from 2 to 4, preaching their guts out, man. They got signs. They got Bibles. They're out there sometimes with their wives and kids. They're passionate. And uh, I watch these same people, the same stream every Saturday. Faithful, man. If you want to know faithful, that's faithful. Right. And one day, uh, there was a gas, used to be a gas station on that corner uh, where, where sometimes they were. I got gas, and I just went over, uh, I bought some water, I went over to this to this guy, I said, man, how long have you been doing this? Uh, he said, I've been doing it 26 years, every Saturday for 26 years. I said, how many people have given their life to the Lord? He said, I don't know of anyone that's given their life to the Lord for me preaching at cars and at stoplights. And and um, and, and I said, well, how's it working for you? Sometimes it's just really frustrating. I said, but do you feel called to preach? He said, yeah, why do you ask? And I, said, I began to tell him who I was, what I did. And he, he went into you know argument mode with me, like God didn't speak, the only way he speaks for scriptures. I said, well, how did you know you were called to preach? He said, God spoke to my heart. I realized that God's always speaking, but we're not always hearing, or we're hearing, but we don't know the the word for it. So we think we're in opposition of something. Actually, I go, dude, you're prophetic. How else could you know the heart of God? So I would say to this brother and others is, is when did God change? When did he stop speaking? 
because before the foundation of the earth, he knew me, called me by name. Yeah. In the beginning, he spoke. I know there's three, four hundred years of silence in between Malachi and Matthew. Hmm. Was he really silent or, or did people not want to hear what he had to say? I don't know. We don't have any contextual things for that. And then Jesus is the word. So, so Jesus is always speaking because that's who he is. How did you get here? God dreamed you up. He spoke you into existence. So you're created by the word to, to, to hear the word, to, to, to become a word. And, and it's, it's, here's what I love uh, about the Lord. Like he is so patient with us. I had this conversation with my wife, like I was saying, she was saying, what are you going to do on the podcast? I said, I don't know what, we'll just start talking. And I said, I think it's really cool. I think that uh, Will wants to start having people that actually kind of disagree with us. Well, how will that work? I'm like, it doesn't have to be an argument. Like, right. Come, let's reason together. Like, it's not about you, me persuading you to speak right. in tongues or to prophesy, but it's actually like hearing each other's hearts. So right. I love books like this. Yeah. But I also, you know, I, I love, you know, uh, amazing books on the, on the prophetic. Like this actually kind of keeps me in check. This, Oof. right. Because we, we throw, we have these yeah. Christianese and charismatic ease yep. words that we throw out. Like I was getting convicted when you're saying that. I put a fleece out before the Lord, and this door, the Lord opened a door. Right. Like, like I, I want to be accountable for that because we, we flippantly say things, and, and we lose the fact that prophecy is supernatural. That, that, that the, the God of the universe knows me. Like, he, yeah. Like I know this still small voice. Like I've I've heard it. I also heard him like thunder waking me up from death. Like I, you know I've I know that I've lived with it. I've been in a, a twenty six year conversation with the with the Lord, you know, and, and it's this, this beautiful thing. And so whenever I go and I, I minister a lot, what people don't know a lot about me is that I minister at least a quarter of my time, maybe a little bit more in non-charismatic yeah. churches. Um, and I get grilled. Sometimes I spend hours with pastors and elders and boards where they're questioning me on my theology, what I believe. And I just say, Hey, I don't care about speaking on a Sunday. I don't care about, you know, what you let me do or, or, or not. I'm fully submitted to, to, to what you want. But can we go on a journey of what the Bible really says for, for the next year? Can we just do life together, go on a journey? And they do that. I've never had one time where a pastor or a church goes, you're a complete heretic. right? It's actually rightfully discerning the Scripture, not making it say what I want it to say. Charismatics right. of all people, we get guilty of that, uh, and we are guilty right. of a right. lot. I think. I think if we're just being like honest, right. there is so much right. manipulation of the scripture, right? Like you know, given to come back to you, press down, shaking together, flowing over, or right. boiling over. Great sermon, uh, offering a message, except that scripture has nothing to do with the offering. Right. It's everything to do with forgiveness. So we 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 take things out of context. Yes. I would simply say, hey is what you're saying in context. And we can split hairs on Greek and Hebrew and Ara, right. you know, Aramaic and all of those things. But but to me it's it's actually God, what what are you really saying? Let, let's let's reason together. Like we 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 create all of these traditions and all of these things. But I'll go back to to what I was saying about no more death by disappointment. God mm -hmm. wants to heal you from death by disappointment. Yeah, I I I, I I, as I'm reading this, I agree. I I love being challenged, and I love hearing the the opposing right, right viewpoint because I think that there's truth. There's truth in it. 
Yeah. Right. There's truth in all of it. And there's, and I, I appreciate the, the challenge, it, but as I, as I kind of like go, okay, but what it's, what this is saying, like you might be accurate on certain things, right? There, there's certain things that, yes, I can, I would claim that I would claim yeah. that I would say, yeah, we've gone too far, you know, on, on a lot of things, but the overall picture of he's not talking or he only talks through, through the scripture. Uh, I can't get, get on with that when, when, uh, when I know the vast majority of Christians are hearing, are hearing his voice in some capacity or another, it's in a mature way or an immature way. For me, John 15, 15, for no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends for a servant doesn't know his master's business. Like we get invited into his business yeah. and we get, and we're called a friend. Yeah. And I don't have any relationship with my friends that I don't talk with. And I think, I think I would be the first one to admit that I don't hear his audible voice all the time. Very rarely, actually, have I heard his audible voice. But that closeness, that near, nearness where he does speak um, is so foundational for so many believers. It's not the foundation of their faith, but it's foundational in life. It's a daily yeah. a part of their walk. And I would just be, and to be honest, I have to finish it. So I will finish it and then get my, my, my take. But I really appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate your, your, you know, what, what you said. Yeah. And I actually didn't even know. I didn't even, I've never even heard this. Like that's how foreign this is to me. Yeah. And I grew up in a, in a Calvinist church, yeah. you know, or a cessationist church. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the deal. I, I think sometimes we, we want to, we want to split hairs or we're looking for an argument and forget that we're family. Yeah. Right. I, I think there's this, this place, like, I don't want to, I know what I value. I value the presence of God. I value um, the gifts of the spirit in my life. But I'm not going to not have coffee with you or lunch with you or hang out with you because you disagree with me. Right. I think we're afraid of disagreement. Or if people disagree with us, we call it persecution. Yeah, it's silly. When it's actually an invitation into reasoning together, discussing the the scriptures together. Right. And and I just think it's really important. But again, in, in our stream, I think it calls us to a greater level of integrity, like of, of why we say what we're saying, mm. right? I, I think, you know, um, yeah, I, 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 I just believe, I believe that I say this all the time, is that I'd never serve a God who couldn't overpower me because mm. if he couldn't overpower me, he couldn't overpower my enemies. And, and I'm in love with this Jesus who walked into my room, who wasn't afraid of my darkness, right. who walked into a church basement with you. You know, wasn't afraid of the darkness or the addictions that we face or what, all of those things. And I'm like, you know, he's he's not just restrained to a book. I understand this is infallible, that it's eternal, all of those things. But but he's not constrained to that, right? In the in the sense of that, he's actually moving and operating in my life. So I'm thankful for the people who go. I trust the providence of God. I do too. I believe He's sovereign, yeah. but but He's also not absent. And, and so I think. Yeah, and a lot of times we create those theologies. I'll go back to that point of di- out of disappointment. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, John Ruthven, to nerd out for a second, did a really good uh, uh, thesis on um, cessationism and the roots of it. And you see a lot of that, that disappointment or trying to correct something that had gone too far. 
and I think Ruthven, if you want, if you want to nerd out, you can look up John Ruthven and his, uh, his, his work on cessationism. I think he really goes into some of the disappointment and some of the, some of the just trying to go against the growth of another movement that was unhealthy. So take, take a look at John Ruthven if you want to go down that road. But at the end of the day, love, love you. And I will, fin- I, will finish, I will finish this book. Uh, and we can talk about it another time. Dude, we've gone way too long. Thanks for having me. Uh, will you come back sometime? I'm happy to come back anytime. And uh, we, can, we can do this again. I actually want to get you and Larry, maybe a couple other people on yep. sometime. Awesome. But love you. Uh, if people want to follow you, get involved in your schools or anything. Do you have yeah. anything? Yeah, fathersheartschool.com or .org and fathersheartministries.org. And there'll be a school the last two weeks of July of 2022 here in Franklin. Come on, Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, listen, I always love chatting with you. Uh, and I'm sure you guys like it too. Do us a favor, throw a comment in, like, subscribe, hit the bell for no- notifications if you want to watch any more of the green rooms. Uh, but do do us a favor and just throw a comment in there. It helps with the algorithm and hit a like on there. It really does, does help. And uh, we're doing this for free and for fun, but uh, we also want to keep growing it. So uh, do that. Do all those things. Love you, Wags. Love you too. I'm, I can call you Wags. Love you guys. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you in the next one. Awesome. <laughs>